So, um, good evening and welcome again. My name is Toby. I'm the vicar here, if we've not met. And um, uh, also, hello to everyone who's watching online. It's great to have you. So, those four things that we want to do to celebrate five years are to love God or thank God, to thank people, thank you for all that you do. Uh, and then the last two are to invite friends which is why Alpha's really exciting. And I was there on Wednesday night. Um, uh, I think we undersold it. There was, I think there was 75 people there in the building. It was buzzing. It was exciting. Great opportunity to invite friends to explore faith. And the last one is to dream dreams. And that's why we're having a little vision series, because it's great for us to celebrate what's happened over the last five years. But what excites me is what's going to happen over the next five years. Can you imagine if God has done all that stuff in the last five years, what he's going to do in the next five? And so what we want to do over the next three weeks is to think about what part we can play in dreaming dreams of what God could do in this city, in Bristol, the best city in the world, at the, certainly the best city in the UK. Um, Vancouver is actually really nice. But anyway, other than, other than Vancouver, the best city in the world. Um, I would love to unpack a little passage from Jeremiah with you tonight. Um, and if you'd like to have a little look at it, you can do so if you want to find it on your phone or in, if you've got a Bible with you. We're going to look at Jeremiah 29. And uh, we're going to read a few verses, uh, starting at verse 1. And... Um, uh, then 4, 7, and 11. So it's the first part of Jeremiah 29. And it will also come up on the screens. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. For I know the plans I have for you. Verse 11 declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Let me give you a little bit of context for this passage. So Babylon is the dominant military power in the world. And it has crushed recently an uprising of uh, the Israelites, God's people. And the Babylonians have been quite savvy. Because they have utterly laid waste to Jerusalem, but they have also taken all the leaders, all the educated classes from amongst the people of God, and they've taken them with them to Babylon. Why is that savvy? Because their plan is to absorb the leaders of Israel into the Babylonian 
city, into the Babylonian culture. He want, they want to enculturate them. They think that after a while, all these leaders who have been rebelling, after a while, they'll enjoy life so much in Babylon that eventually they won't remember that they were rebelling. And they will become exactly like the people around them. And into that situation, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah. And God says, this is how I want you to live while you're in Babylon. And I think these are really helpful instructions for us about how to live in Bristol. And you might want to apply this, to, if you're not from Bristol, if you're visiting from another city, you might want to apply it to the city that you're in, the context you're in. But what I think summarizes this talk, these instructions from God, is this. And this is a little bit of our motto here. Be in the city for the city. Live in the city and live for the city. So I want to unpack that a little bit. The first thing is to live in the city. Jeremiah here says, live in the city. In other words, live in Babylon on purpose. So to us, live in Bristol on purpose. Make Bristol your home, where you belong. You are not here by accident. You might think you are, but you're not. You're not in Bristol because of some coincidence. God wants you here. Why do I say that? Well, did you notice the little contradiction, apparent contradiction in verse 1 and verse 4? Verse 1 says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took the leaders from Israel to Babylon and took them into exile. Verse 4, the Lord says, I carried you from Israel to Babylon. Well, which is it? Is it Nebuchadnezzar who carried them off or was it God? Well, the answer is both. They're both true. And that is the case for us as well. I don't know why, what's brought you to Bristol. You might think uh, maybe it was your, your job that relocated you to Bristol. Maybe you got the grades to get into Bristol Uni or UE. Maybe uh, you found yourself here and you're not quite sure how you ended up here. Maybe you grew up here. Whatever your reason for being here, maybe you didn't get the grades and you hoped to get somewhere else and you ended up in Bristol. <laughs> maybe you hoped to get a job and you didn't get that job and you ended up in Bristol. Whatever the reason is, God wants you here. And in fact, you're here for a purpose. And it's in the context of Babylon that we hear this verse that is probably one of the most famous oft-quoted verses that you might have heard before. Verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. When I was um, 17, I was trying to work out which university to go to. And I had five slots on my UCAS form. And I put on there, um, Bristol was one of them. 
because my dad had been at Bristol. He'd done physics at Bristol. He played in the rugby team. He was passionate about Bristol. And uh, he said, you've got to put Bristol on there. So I put, on, put Bristol on there. And he said, look, I'm going to take you on a tour of Bristol. I'm going to persuade you that you don't need to worry about any of the others on the UCAS form. So we drove down here. And I said, look, Dad, can we also go stop into you know, a couple of others? Can we go to Bath? So we dropped, stopped from Bath. And then I said, can we go on to Exeter just to make a massive road trip of it? And uh, we got to Bristol. And he'd been talking about how great Bristol is all the way here. And we got here, and the heavens opened, and it was torrential rain. In fact, we were here for about two hours. It didn't stop raining for two hours. The whole city looked gray and drab and dull. And he said, isn't it great? And I said, no. It doesn't look very good at all. I said, we need to get in the car. We need to go down to Exeter. So we drove down to Exeter, an uh, uh, hour and a half, whatever it is, two hours down, down the M5. And we got to Exeter, and the sun came out. And the green grass of the campus university just sort of gleamed. And I just thought, this is what we're talking about. This is a great university. So uh, based purely on the weather, I chose Exeter. And so I went to Exeter for four years, and I loved it. Now, you might think, well, what a random place to end up in, Exeter. Uh, why would I end up there? Well, the reason is uh, I felt like this was the right place to go. And while I was there, in my first year, I met a couple called Andy and Kate. In fact, they weren't a couple. They were just two, two people who then subsequently got together. Andy and Kate. And they became quite good friends of mine. And uh, we used to pray together, and uh, eventually, uh, they, the year after university, they decided to get married, very young, uh, 22 years old. I didn't get married. I chose to go to London. I lived there for a long time. Uh, and uh, I look, kind of lost touch with Andy and Kate. And then 25 years later, five years ago, you can do all the maths later on, I, 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 I was praying about, I was in London, I was working at a church in London, HTV in London, and I was, think, I was praying about what to do next. And, I, and, and someone came to me with this proposal that we would come, uh, my wife and I, our two kids, would come to Bristol and we would start a church here in St. Nick's, a bombed out church, not been used as a church for 75 years since the Second World War. It sounded like a crazy idea. I got out of that meeting, and I got a phone call from Andy, who I hadn't spoken to for basically 25 years. And I was like, hello, Andy. And he said, hi, Toby. Uh, we're in Bristol. We've been in Bristol ever since Exeter. And we've been praying. And we were just wondering whether you know whether there might be a church that might ever be planted in central Bristol. I said, that's really interesting that you say that. Maybe. That might happen. For me, that was like a moment. That was like God saying, there is something about this. And out of a step of faith, partly from that conversation, we ended up coming here. Now, Andy and Kate are part of the congregation. Andy is church warden. They have been the most amazing supporters. You never know who you might meet at university. And God has placed them in your path for a reason. You have no idea what may happen down the line. And so the encouragement here is uh, to not miss the moments that you've got here in Bristol. And it's easy. It would have been easy for the people in, 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 in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's time, to the Israelites there in Babylon, to say, what's the point in being here? 
This is not where we belong. We belong in Israel. We're just going to tough it out until we get through. But that's not what God says. Verse 5, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, increase in number, do not decrease. Have you ever heard people say in Bristol, I'm not going to stay for long. I'm not sure whether it's for me. I'm just passing through. And I understand why people say that. Career might change. Things might change. University is a short period of time. But here's what the Lord is saying. Don't miss the opportunities that are right here in front of you. Invest heavily in why you're here. Get to know people. Get into friendships and relationships. Build connections. Put down roots. Build houses. He said, we don't have to build a house here. But, you know, metaphorically, build a house. Get stuck in. Don't be a tourist. I, I was in on, I mentioned Alpha on Wednesday. Our Alpha group was fantastic. We, ha, we went around the group and we sort of found out where everyone was from at the beginning. We had people from, uh, from all over the UK. Uh, we had um, people from Wales. Uh, we had um, someone from Afghanistan. Uh, we also had a girl from Li, uh, called Lydia who was from Rio de Janeiro. And we found out, I said to um, Lydia, how long have you been here? She said, I've been here three days in Bristol. I said, what was your first day? She said, Sunday. I came to church. I loved it. I heard about Alpha. I've signed up for Alpha. I said, how long are you here for? She said, three weeks. <laughs> and she's here for three weeks. She said, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to get to know as many people as I can within the three weeks. I want to make the most of this. I thought, what a great example. Don't hold back. Build houses. Get to know. Settle down. Make Bristol your home. Be in the city. But there is a caveat. Because Bristol isn't where you really belong. No, no, no. You belong somewhere even more exciting than Bristol. St. Paul says, your citizenship is in heaven. In other words, where you really belong is not here, but in heaven. Your citizenship is with God in his kingdom. That is your true identity. That's where you really belong. So yes, make your home here, but don't become too comfortable. Be ready for what's next. There's a bit of a tension, isn't it? We need to live where we are. We need to bloom where we've planted. We need to be in the city. And yet we need to know that this is not the place that we ultimately belong. Uh, St. Paul says it uh, like this. He says, you should live as ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is from one country and goes to live in another country. Someone who represents that country to the country that they live in. And therefore, that is what we're called to do. We don't belong here ultimately. We have an identity and a calling that is far beyond the place that we live. But where we live, if you're an ambassador, you don't just think, well, I'm going to go home in 10 years. I won't really get stuck in. No, no, no. You learn the language. You become an expert in the food. You know where to go. You get to know people. And so that's how we live as ambassadors. We know that our citizenship, our identity is in heaven. And yet we decide to get stuck in where we are. Be in it, but not of it. 
Don't avoid the culture in Bristol. Celebrate it, but don't get sucked in by it. Don't be intimidated by Bristol, but also don't be overly impressed by Bristol. Be a resident alien, an ambassador for Christ. So be in the city. And secondly, live for the city. Live in the city, but live for the city. Love Bristol in practice. Live in Bristol on purpose. Love Bristol in practice. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, who was um, a, a writer about 100 odd years ago, the turn of the century, and he wrote some amazing books. There's a great book called Orthodoxy, if you're interested, a great exploration of the Christian faith, a fantastic intellectual and writer at the time. But he wrote about cities and about how to respond to your city. And he said this, you can't change where you live by disapproving of it. In other words, you can't change Bristol by constantly going, oh, I can't believe they do that. Oh, have you seen what people get up to? Oh, I can't believe. This is not the way to change the city. Because after a while, you just think, I resent this place. I'm going to move. So you can't change a city by disapproving of it. But he says you also can't change a city by approving of it. Because if you approve of everything, you'll just go with the flow. Nothing will ever change. He says the only way you can change a city is by loving it, by loving the people in it, by loving until it costs you something, because that is the only way to change a city. Verse 7, this is what uh, Jeremiah says, seek the peace and prosperity of your city, because if it prospers, you will prosper. In other words, seek to do all you can to elevate Bristol, to make Bristol the best it possibly can be. You can have the impact that you long for within this city. And you might think, well, how on earth can I make a difference to a city of whatever it is, 500,000 people? Well, obviously you can't impact everyone, but you can impact those people who are around you. So let me encourage you. The greatest impact you can have is in the place where you work or study and the place where you live. That, those are the people that you're going to come into contact with most of the time. It's really interesting. Last week we had Nikki and Pippa Gumbel here, uh, if you were here. They were interviewed morning and evening. We had a leader's lunch. And uh, one of the questions were asked of them was, how do you work out your priorities You've got your church, ministry, you've got your family. Uh, How do you work out the order of priorities? Uh, And Nikki said, very simply, I live by this rule, which he finds in Scripture, which is to put God first. God is first, no doubt. The second is to put his family second. So second would be, if you're married, your spouse, and then your children. But even if you're not married, your, your family is your second most important priority. The third, he said, is your ministry within your work. And the last is your ministry in church. And we had a little discussion with that, about that afterwards. People were like, well, surely it's the other way around. Surely church should come before your work. But actually, if you think about it, that doesn't work, does it? That the whole point of church is not to try and persuade as many people to come into this building on a Sunday. 
You know, we could fit a few more in, sure, but I'll eventually. No, no, no. The, the, the priority is for us to take the good news of Jesus into the places where we live. Because that's where we'll have the biggest impact. Think about the people who are on your course or in your hall of residence. The people you work with nine to five. You spend all your time with them. They are the people to whom God has called you. And you can love them and care about them in a way that will impact not just them, but the people around them. The knock-on effect could be profound. Uh, C.S. Lewis came out of a church uh, where he was worshipping uh, right of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and he came out of a church where he'd been worshipping. And he came across uh, a sort of image in a lamppost of a... A lion and a couple of creatures. And from there, he grew the inspiration to write the Chronicles of Narnia. But what I love is that he had been praying about how he could most be used by God in that service. And he wasn't used in the church. He was used out the church, doing the stuff that he was called to. So I don't know, what do you do? Do you work or study in education or medicine or finance uh, are you serving your family by looking after them? Maybe you're involved in, in media or creative arts, in communications. My encouragement to you is to bring your whole self into that space and then see what God might do through you. Your neighbors, where do you live? Who are your people that you live with in your hall of residence? Who are the people who live upstairs and downstairs? The Lord has placed you there. It's not an accident that you're there. You are there to make an impact on those around you. Social transformation. You can have an impact on others in this city through this church. Wasn't it exciting to hear about 6,000 hampers of food that have been given out through this church over the last few years to those who need it? That's just a drop in the ocean, but at least it's something. Uh, I wanted to um, just ask a couple of people a little bit about their story of how that they've been involved in that. And first, I'm going to ask Peter uh, to come and share a little bit of his story. Where's Peter? Um, here's Peter Thurlow. Here he comes. Peter, come up and tell us a little bit about oh, a smattering of applause for Peter. Um, Peter, come and come and tell us a little bit about. Um, come right into the middle here, so everyone online could see you. So tell us a little bit about. Um, about your job, first of all. What do you do as a job? Um, so I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Um, if people aren't quite sure what that is, I'm a medically trained doctor and I sort of trained to specialise in the mental health of young people. I work in um, child and adolescent mental health services, or sometimes called CAMS. Fantastic. And tell us a little bit about how you sensed God calling you into that particular role. Um, yeah, I guess sort of, yeah, I went into kind of mental school thinking sort of part of the reason I was doing that is that I was a Christian and sort of I saw in the Bible, I saw Jesus was someone who um, he spent his time with the most needy in society, the people most struggling and helped them in amazing practical ways. And that, I thought medicine was a way to do that. And then as I kind of went through med school, actually the people I saw that were at the most edge of society, most struggling were, were the mental health patients. So that kind of drew me into that, that field, and I like working with young people, so that's that side of that. And tell us a little bit about what's um, happened more recently in terms of what you've been trying to do. Yeah, so um, sort of a big part of my job is working with pe uh, young people who are struggling with eating disorders, and that's kind of exploded since the pandemic in kind of numbers. 
And yeah, I was um, talking to a young person about why they were struggling to eat in, in a session at work and um, asking about why. And then one of the reasons that came up was um, this, my family can't afford the food. And that kind of just broke my heart a little bit. And then I was, had some conversation with my colleagues and it was like, no, we, we're having conversations with quite a few other people that, yeah, we're giving them these meal plans to help them sort of gain weight, restore weight, help treat their disorder. And they're like, they can't actually afford that additional food. And we weren't quite sure what to do. Um, so we asked around a few places where you normally ask about food, like food banks and stuff. And the food banks were like, um, yeah, we're, we're rammed and we can't, you need very specific high calorie food and stuff and we can't, can't guarantee that. And so I was like, oh, wait a minute. all right, I'll, I'll ask someone. So send a little email off to, to the church social action guys. I was like, can you? I didn't hear that, like, yeah. yeah. Um, can, can, you, can you help with that? And they came back and said, yeah. And then very shortly after, we got a regular delivery of kind of snack packs. So packs packed up of specific snacks to match the meal plans. Um, so when the young people came, came to their sessions, we could talk about what, what we're struggling with, what, what we need to do next. And we'd send them away with part of their treatment. We'd send them away with a bag of the snacks to make up the meal plan. And it, yeah, it's really made a difference to some young people. And I've seen sessions where people have come in hungry and not able to focus. And we were like, oh, I'll just go upstairs, grab a snack pack. And suddenly the session's completely changed. Or people were sort of like, I, yeah, I'm really afraid, really ashamed to ask my family for more food and stuff. It's like, cool, well, well here you go. Um, and it's just been, yeah, it's been a real blessing. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Peter. That's such an encouraging story. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, one of the things um, that we felt called to do is, is to play our part in the transformation of society. That's uh, something we do particularly at Christmas and New Year. We gather these hampers and packs and we pray for the way that Lord might want to use them. And we're going to be doing that again this Christmas. We'll tell you more about that uh, coming up. Um, the greatest gift I think you can give someone is to know about Jesus. And that's why we feel passionate about uh, letting people know. And someone once said, uh, Peter Drucker once said that the greatest form of evangelism is church planting. In other words, starting new communities, revitalizing them wherever you can across the city. We heard about Concord that planted uh, a year ago. And um, I wanted to ask a couple of people who are part of that church to share a little bit of their story as well. So, um, Abby and Noah, do you want to come up? We're gonna, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Abby, first of all, tell us a little bit. Um, tell us. There <laughs> we go. You're right. Um, tell us a little bit about your your background growing up. Um, did you have a faith background? Yeah. So no, I didn't at all. I didn't grow up going to church. I honestly thought church and Christians were quite strange. I had some friends, and I just was like, not for me at all. Um, and I often say, I think from the outside, my life looked pretty great. I um, had a really great family, still do. Um, and I was at uni, I was doing well. Um, but I was really struggling and I was finding sort of meaning and purpose in um, sort of partying, drinking drugs, relationships. Um, that was kind of what was getting me through. But I had um, a friend at uni who was part of St. Nick's and she was um, being baptized um, four years ago. And she invited me along and... Um, I was just thinking about it then, and I actually spent the service like reading the story of Joseph in the Bible because I love the musical. Um, but I heard about Alpha. Uh, I did pay attention to the Alpha announcement and thought, um, this sounds like something for me. I really love arguing with people, so um, I'll do that. And uh, came along and 
sort of ready with all my questions and ready to disprove all, everything anyone was going to say to me. But I actually found the most amazing group of people that were so supportive and um, really wanted to listen to me and really cared about me. I'd never really experienced that before. Um, and it was on, um, on the Alpha weekend I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. And that was when I really found, um, I felt love for the first time, real love. I felt peace. Um, I kind of knew who I was. I found my meaning and my purpose and my identity. Um, so yeah, it's really changed my life in the last four years. <laughs> and, and Noah, just tell us about your, your story as well, because you came on Alpha at the same time? Just, just before? Just after Abbey. Just yeah, after, of course, okay. after Abbey. Um, yeah, so I grew up um, in a Christian family, went to church um, pretty much every Sunday. Um, but then I came to study in Bristol when I was 19. Um, but by the time I came to Bristol, um, I was not involved in church. I'd got to a stage in life where I decided it wasn't for me. I didn't see the point, didn't see the relevance to my day-to-day -day living. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, but I knew a few people and got to know a few people in halls in Bristol and um, heard about St. Nick's. St. Nick's was planted as I started university. And in my second year, um, I basically got to a point where I, I, I suppose I was, I was definitely lost and looking for my identity. I think that I thought that I could find it in my academic achievement and my social life and all these kind of things that you look um, to your identity. And, um, but questions of faith just kept coming up. And so in the sort of just after Christmas, I actually came to the Christmas carol service at St. Nick's, love a carol, and um, uh, then heard about Alpha and thought, I, I've got to give it a go. Um, and then actually, it's a very similar story to Abby, really. I came um, and met some incredible people um, who were so, so welcoming and then had this amazing journey throughout the course, um, had an incredible encounter where I knew that God had been with me all along. Um, and yeah, and that was the start of a whole new journey. <laughs> and you talk about the journey. Abby, what's happened since? Um, so we both helped that following Alpha um, and met each other. Um, it was in the pandemic. Um, and then, yeah, we uh, got together, did the internship, the LDY, um, started that two years ago. Um, then we got married and the summer that we got married, so that's last year, we um, went with the team to Concord Church. Um, we kind of had been feeling called for a while, but we really weren't sure if we were going to stay in Bristol or not, um, basically up until we got married. Um, and I'd, we'd been talking to Andy and Katie about it, and um, eventually I just felt really called cool to become the kids' pastor there, which is amazing. I didn't really want to do it to begin with, but, you know, God's got a great sense of humour. Um, and it's been amazing. Um, yeah, I think, especially for me, I grew up in Bristol, I grew up in North Bristol, um, and we, I think, felt that we love St. Nick's. We're so grateful for everything that's happened at St. Nick's, um, and we wanted to be part of the team that took that um, out somewhere else in Bristol, and for them to be blessed by all the things that God's been doing here as well. Amazing. And Concord has just celebrated its first birthday. Yeah. So what happened? Um, we have been having a real party. I think we've taken a bit, well, actually, we went a bit ahead of St. Nick's and did have a birthday month as well. Um, so we had a silent disco the other week. Um, we celebrated. We had um, three people were dunked um, in baptism uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, it's been incredible. It's been an incredible journey. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're based up in North Bristol inside the Aerospace Museum. We do church next to the Concord Plain every week. It's pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, the community is just growing and 
and growing. We kind of like have 50, 60, 70 people on a regular um, Sunday. We've also started Alpha. We've had, what, 50, 60 people do the Alpha course so far um, over the past year. And so, yeah, God is on the move, um, and we keep seeing sort of amazing developments um, happen, both in sort of like the normal logistical things, but then also kind of God will just throw a span in the works and say, no, you need to do this. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. And just tell us, what difference has Jesus made to you, Abby? I think the way I usually sum it up is I feel like um, I've always got somebody with me, someone always holding my hand. I remember when I first became a Christian, someone said to me, oh, just remember, it's not going to be easy. Um, and it's not easy. It doesn't make my life easy, but it makes my life worth living. I have somebody holding my hand, somebody guiding me through, somebody giving me peace, comforting me, even when times are really stressful and really crazy. Um, and yeah, I think I said earlier, but just a real sense of who I am and what, my, um, what I'm supposed to be doing. And even when I'm not sure, I've got someone to look to for that. So yeah. What about you, Noah? Um, all of the above. Um, and then also, I think just such... Um, sense of identity but not just in terms of being comfortable and held in who I am but also having something to move towards I think having sort of Jesus as your closest friend means that um, you're both comforted and motivated because every single day is you trying to step closer and closer into relationship and closer and closer towards the example that we read about in the Bible um, and so yeah it's, it's just incredibly life-changing um, as you can hear our life diverted into so many different places we didn't see coming um, but it is the best journey fantastic thank you so much guys thank you um fantastic well isn't it great just to hear what god is doing and these are just little snapshots of what god is doing has done but wouldn't it be exciting to see more wouldn't it be exciting that these were just a few stories and we had hundreds and hundreds of stories like this to tell in the next five years so let me just bring that all together to conclude what does it look like what is god's call on you here in bristol in 2023 well, I think what we pick up from Jeremiah is two things. To live in the city, to love this city, to get stuck in, to build a life here while you are here. But also to love this city, to love the people around you, to love the people that God has placed around you. Because it's not a coincidence that you're there and that you're here. You know, Jesus says... Uh, that he will be with us. And those, that sense of God's being with us is what Jeremiah 29, 11 really means. I know the plans I have for you. I plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. Great. Shall we pray? And then I think the guys are going to come up and lead us in the next part. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for all that we've heard today. Thank you that you are at work in our city. Thank you that you love Bristol far more than we do. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, each of us here today, each of us here online, to know the part that we can play here. Thank you, Lord, that none of us is here by accident. Thank you, Lord, that you have plans for each one of us, good plans, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. 
And Lord, as we make our home here, for however long it is, we pray that you would use us. And as we do, we would see those things. We'd see the evangelization of Bristol. We'd see uh, the revitalization of the church in this city and the transformation of our society. In Jesus' name, amen.